Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Industry Seating. It is Sunday, December 6th. My name is Jason Thomas. I am your host. Thanks, everybody, for listening. So, what, we're six weeks away from, from racing again, fighting through the off-season. It's kind of weird this year without any, uh, any off-season races, which I would normally be paying very close attention to. I think you can learn a little bit about who's riding well and who may be on the come-up for the following season. Of course, many of your championship contenders are in full boot camp mode at this point, and they are in the throes of it, right in the middle, right in the hardest part of the whole deal. But before we get too far into this podcast, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli Tires, Blenzol Oils, Works Connection, Fast Foundry, Plum Creek Funding, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, and Risk Racing, of course, Fly Racing as well. So this week, we're going to take a couple questions. These, uh, these off-season ones are going to be a little bit short just because we honestly have a lack of content. So let's dive right into the first question, shall we? This is from Jason Bennett. So thank you to sending me this question. And his question is pretty straightforward. Who is the one person, aside from your parents, of course, because we all know how influential our parents are to our racing careers, that had the biggest impact on your motor career? It could be a sponsor, friend, local pro, mechanic, etc. Please go into a little detail on how you met, how they helped out your relationship, and how your relationship is with them today. So for this, I, I thought about this a little this morning, just kind of reminiscing over my career. And, you know, for me, there were there were a lot of people that were contributors to my moderate success, right? I'm I'm very thankful for the career I had, but I'm also realistic. You know, I didn't, I wasn't winning supercross championships or anything, but I was very fortunate to be in this sport for a long time and, and am very fortunate to continue on on the other side of the fence and in a different aspect, but still very, very involved. But when it really came down to it and I had to think, okay, who would, who was the most pivotal, who shaped many of the characteristics that I would attribute my success to? And I think the most influential would have been Tim Ferry. And to the letter of the question, go back to uh, really meeting Timmy for the first time. I, I, I met him before, but, you know, hey, what's up? How, how's it going type thing. But I really didn't forge any sort of bond or, or friendship with him until the summer of 1998. And for me, I was in my first year of college. I was also racing professionally as well. And Timmy was fresh off of his first 
regional supercross champ. Well, I guess his only regional supercross championship in 1997. He, he had just departed factory Suzuki and he was in this weird space where he was on Noli and Yamaha, but you know, it was a pretty significant step down as far as, uh, financially and support and equipment and everything. Right. But it also marked the first year for him into the big bike class, which, you know, we used to call the 250 class. It's now the 450 class, but same basic concept. So he was trying to sort things out, you know, forge his path into this new class and on a new team. And I was just trying to get my career going and I was trying to learn. Well, we had a mutual friend. His name was Darren McElhatton. And he basically, he was one of my best friends and he lived right by Timmy. And and it was where Darren practiced all the time was at this, this track that Timmy had just built at this brand new property that he had bought. And this is this is now the property he's owned for, you know, 22 years. And if you watch any of his son's Instagram videos or any of the social media stuff that Timmy puts out or any of that family puts out, it's always at this same property. Well, back then it looked nothing like what you'd see now. I mean, it was, you know, mostly just an empty lot and, and there were a lot of trees on it and it was, there was no house on it yet. Um, so it was really in the middle of nowhere to, to put it bluntly. But we did have a, a decent track to work with. Timmy invested some money into his career. And for Timmy's side, he needed someone that was respectable enough at racing to keep him honest. You know, and I was not as good as Timmy for sure. But, you know, that summer I'd also been scoring points. I was finishing inside the top 20. And that is typically enough, right? If, if you give me a gap, you, we figure out how many seconds a lap I, uh, off of Timmy I was. And at that time it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. Um, so he would give me a gap and we would set a moto and and we would try to see who won at the end of the moto. And it got really interesting because Timmy switched to the 125 for that outdoor season. He, He was practicing on a 250 a lot and then he switched to the 125. And when he switched to the 125, we were very, very close. Uh, especially on that track that I knew very well, we were almost identical in pace. So we could start on separate sides of the track and we could really, you know, have a battle and we weren't close to each other. It wasn't a, a heads up battle where we're near each other. Cause it's, you know, that's too risky. You don't want to be doing stupid things like that in practice, but you're having this virtual battle where you can mark each other on the racetrack. And we both were pushing the edge because we wanted to beat each other so bad. And it really helped each of us to make ourselves better. You know, and it, it, had he been on a 252 stroke, he would have smoked me, right? That, that's pretty obvious. But we both improved a lot, and, and I'm sure that my improvement was much more significant because I was in such a critical point of my career. You know, it was, I was still young. I was 18 at the time, turning 19. And that's a, that's a, a big point where you can – kind of an inflection point where you can really make great decisions and – create and chart a path for success in your career, or you can make some really poor decisions and lose focus and go down a path that it's, it's very hard to recover from. And we've seen that story play out hundreds of times for riders in the sport that had a really bright future. And then just were not able to stay on track, you know, for, for pardon the pun, but for lack of a better term there, they just couldn't hold it together, whether injuries or distraction or, you know, getting involved in all sorts of things they shouldn't. It just was, it, it's very, very commonplace in our sport. 
So for me, it was great that Timmy was willing to take me under his wing and it was a gradual process. You know, the first couple times I rode with him, it was, you know, kind of a feeling out process. And, you know, Timmy was accommodating like, Hey, come ride. And, and I think he came to learn that I was there for the right reasons. And I just wanted to learn, but I also wanted to help him however I could, because I, I was very appreciative of the opportunity that he was giving me. So if that meant, um, you know, whatever I needed to do that he thought I could be a benefit to great. I'm in, you know, like if I needed to help him do sprints or whatever, regardless of what my program tech necessarily needed to be, like if I thought I needed to do motos that day, but he felt like he needed to do sprints. Well, guess what? We did sprints because I, I know, and I knew that his success would ultimately help define mine. You know, if I could grow with him, uh, he would, return that favor in spades. And he would also help me when I needed help, right? He was always someone I could bounce ideas off of. And Hey, uh, I've been trying this in my off the bike training, you know, whether it's running or bicycling, whatever. And he, and he would let me borrow off of his years of experience. And, and remember he was still really young too, at this time, you know, he, I think he, his birthday's in 75. So he would have been 24 at this time, which is relatively young. You know, it's not, it's not all that old to be, uh, uh, 20, uh, 23, actually he would have been 23. I, I, my math's off there. So you think about 23 years old and, and I, I'm looking at him like he's a seasoned veteran, which he kind of was, but at the same time, do you consider a lot of 23 year olds, you know, to be wise veterans of anything? <laughs> Probably not, you know, at 23 years old and just in life, you really don't have many things figured out just yet. But the difference for me between 18 or 19 and 23 was, it seemed like a lifetime and a wealth of knowledge to be shared. So I was very thankful for it. And that, that was just our program. I, I would either drive back and forth, which was, a, it was about an hour and a half drive, or I would stay in the Tampa area uh, with my buddy, Darren, which ultimately turned into, I would stay with Timmy a lot as our, our friendship, um, you know, solidified and, and uh, we became very close. I would just stay with him quite a bit. And we would train together. We would run together a lot, which I was always a better runner than him. I just had a, you know, I was more gifted in the running arena than him, which, uh, you know, asked me how much money I ever made running and it would be a big fat zero. So if he had to be lacking a little bit of talent somewhere, running is not a terrible place for it to be, but we would just, we would just feed off of each other. Right. And we would keep each other accountable as far as our training goes. And if you know, we, one of us had a rough weekend, which always happens, you know, not everybody's having a good weekend all the time. You know, we would use each other to, to pick each other up, um, which is a, a really critical aspect of racing is staying optimistic. And, and when you have a good day, you know, celebrate, but keep an even keel because you know that it can turn just that fast and, and you could have a rough weekend the next, and you don't want to skew too far on the fringes of, the middle. And that, that goes for really any sports, you know, you hear it in, in football all the time about quarterbacks, right? If you have a great game, awesome. You know, you should be very happy about it, but you should stay, stay grounded and, and keep a cool demeanor. Well, I kind of felt like racing was the same way. If you have a great race. Yeah. Awesome. You know, you should, you should really, you should go to dinner and, and really relish that moment. But the next morning, it's back to work like that. That's in, in the past. And you know that you're facing another challenge 
the next weekend. And that, that really worked for us was to keep us grounded and pick each other up on bad days and really, um, you know, relish in those, in those great moments. And those great moments for me made me want to work even harder. Uh, the bad days, probably even more so, you know, I, I really hated the feeling of poor results. I, I drove me crazy. And, and anyone that knows me well, if you were around me when a race went really poorly or I didn't qualify for a main event or something, you did not want to be around me. <laughs> Maybe you were around me, but you, I promise you, you didn't want to be. And it was just an emotion I couldn't really control. It was just, I, I hated the feeling of defeat. I hated the feeling of not measuring up to what I thought was acceptable. And you, probably more than that, disappointing and letting those down around me, letting those da- those people down that had, had invested time, money, and effort into me. I couldn't stand the feeling of letting those people down as well as myself too. So I was... I was hell bent on not feeling like that as much as humanly possible. And you, and you hear guys like Ricky Carmichael and these guys talk about that all the time. It's the money and the fame and all that was great for them, but they were more driven by the fear of failure than anything else. And I, I also felt that way. Now my career didn't shape out the way theirs did. I just didn't have the talent that those guys did, but that driving factor to continue to get better was certainly the same. The fear of failure was much more of a driving factor than the, the feeling of success or the money or whatever else. But with Timmy, um, I I attribute a lot of the, a lot of the aspects of my life that continue on today to him. You know, I, I learned discipline. So, you know, I think a lot of racers fall into the trap of they don't have a set schedule, right? Training schedule. And I had friends that were, that raced professionally that, that really suffered from this. And they looked at it as, okay, well, I don't have a job and I just have to get my motos in today so I can get up at nine, 10, you know, and whatever I'll drag around, you know, have, get some food and I'll get out to the track by like one or two. And then I'll get my motos in at like three and then I'll be done by like five. But what about all the other training? What about the gym work? What about your running and bicycling? What about, you know, studying, uh, you know, video from the weekend before to see what the guys were doing? Cause I, I did that a lot. I would, I, I knew what I was doing on a racetrack the prior weekend, right? That was burned into my memory for do, from doing lap after lap during the race. And also it's just one of those things, you know, I can remember almost every race of my career. But for me to go back and watch guys like James Stewart, Chad Reed, Ricky Carmichael, Tim Ferry, LaRocco, anybody that I was racing against and watch them go around the racetrack in a completely different way and see how they attack the racetrack and then understand why and what their thought process was in the moment and, and maybe how their technique allowed them to go around the racetrack that way. I thought that was critically important. And if you guys have ever listened to James Stewart in the past, he was very big on that. He was a big studier. I don't know if studier is a word, but he was a student of the sport. He would really try to learn why people did certain things and how they did certain things. And then he would try to apply that to his own, his own racecraft. So I thought that was a really critical aspect too. So when I looked at some of these guys that I was friends with that raced and I'm like, okay, well you're, yeah. If your only goal for the day was to get in your motos, then I guess you're getting that done. I guess. I mean, you're, it's not how I would necessarily approach it, but I, I can't argue that necessarily, necessarily argue that aspect. 
But for me and what Timmy instilled in me was that, hey, we're going to get up in the morning and we're going to do some sort of activity, whether it's stretching, running, bicycling, what have you. And for me, that turned into, for most of my career, it was a bicycle ride. Sometimes it would be a run, but a lot of years it was a bicycle ride. I would do 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, that was first thing, right? Coffee, then on my bicycle and done. And I would be done with that by eight or nine, you know, like done and out of the shower and ready for the next step of the day. And then we're going to be at the track and we're going to be riding by like nine 30. And that, that was kind of, and, and a lot of times it was nine and in outdoors when it was super hot, he wanted to be riding on the racetrack or practice track by nine o'clock so that you can, you know what that does to my schedule, right? I have to move everything forward quite a bit into the morning to be at his track and riding by 9am. But again, as I mentioned earlier, if he said, that's what we're doing, then that's what we're doing. Like, I didn't have any pushback. I didn't care. I, if he said we're riding at dawn, well, guess what? I would have been up at 4am and I would have been getting my stuff ready to be at the track, to be ready to ride by dawn. Like I, I had zero problem with adhering to what he said we were going to do because I understood where that could take me. I, I knew if I did what he said and I looked at where he was in his career, that so many opportunities way ahead of me. So I, it was never about, well, I think this, or I think that I don't, who cares what I think do what the guy that is a much better than you do what he's doing. How about that? How about you take yourself out of the equation and be a team player and maybe you'll get a hell of a lot better. That's, that's how I approached it. Timmy also taught me consistency in my program because we would do the same things day in and day out. It was like clockwork and, and it's really timely for right now because these, these racers, you know, the factory guys, Zach Osborne, who I speak with pretty often, he's doing this right now. This every day he wakes up is like Groundhog's Day. If you guys have seen that movie, some of you may be too young to remember that movie, but every day looks exactly the same. You wake up, you ride your bicycle, you ride your motos, you go to the gym, and maybe you go for like a, a lactic acid bicycle ride or flush at night. That's what we did every day during the off season, over and over and over and over. And yes, you did get some days off for recovery, but during your training days, it was the same thing. Like you, you couldn't tell if it was you know, uh, let's say November 25th or December 12th or December 1st or December 23rd, they were all the same. And that's what you wanted. You just wanted this repetitive motion that created a fitness robot that when you turn the switch on, on race day, your body was like, Oh yeah, I know how to do this. I, this is, this is white work compared to all the things that we've done during the off season. So he taught me all the benefits of that consistency and how to cope with that mind numbing, day in and day out routine. You just, it's just a part of the process that may not be fun. You may not enjoy it, but your success, your absolute success hinges upon your willingness and your, your, uh, I want to say desire, but your dedication to being that consistent. That, that's really what it came down to. He also taught me the work ethic that I continue to carry into my life today. You know, and I, I have a lot of, a lot of business interests, which many of you probably know, whether it's, you know, my main job at fly racing and, you know, we do all these media things for racer X podcasts and articles and all that stuff during the season. I have this very industry seating podcast that you're listening to right now. 
I have my Patreon podcast. That's every Saturday. If you guys are interested in signing up for that, uh, it's patreon.com slash industry seating. You can check that out. And it's just a little bit different content than this. I have the VIP program that we're in the midst of trying to find a way to do for the 2021 season with all these COVID restrictions where I, I host a group of people at every Supercross and it's a great time. You get to basically hang out with me for the day, insight, behind the scenes stuff. Um, and I'm just basically your guide and host throughout the entire Supercross day. So all these things like that, that those things were instilled and furthered, you know, my parents did a great job of instilling those things, but my, you know, Timmy really drove those things home at a very, uh, pivotal time for my development. And, um, it's just one of the things I remember. And then the last thing, it kind of furthers the a previous point I made is, is the importance of piling up days of work. And that was just during the off season, you know, because I think it's very easy to, you just do all this work and you, put in that first month of boot camp and you're like, yeah, like we're killing it right now. Like it's December. I should be, I should be resting and like, let's, let's back it down a little bit and get ready for the season. And he would be like, no, it's not, it's not time for that yet. It's still early December. We're still, we still have probably two more weeks of this at least. And and for this 2021 season, these guys would have probably three more weeks of this before they would consider tapering off any and starting to back, back the work down a little bit. And it's very easy when you're that tired and your body's just screaming at you every morning. Like you get out of bed and everything hurts. You're sore, your back hurts, your muscles are aching from all the running and bicycling and, and of course riding that you've been doing. And you know what? You just have to say, okay, well, I know it hurts, but it's not going to hurt on Saturdays in January and February and March and April and May. That's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm fighting against is I'm not going to feel pain during those times. I'm going to be the strongest guy in my range of, of racers, right? The guys that I'm worried about beating, I'm going to be the most prepared and the most fit and the fastest and the best of them. And, and every Saturday night, the rewards are going to come from all this hard work. And he just would, you know, he would just kind of drill that into my head over and over. And I think he was, he was reminding himself as well, right? Because it takes that constant, positive reinforcement that this is all worth it. This is why we're doing it. This is, there is, there is reward on the other side of all this hard work. And we just have to keep pushing through and the days are going to start getting easier, right? You fall into this pattern. It's like, okay, you get much fitter and all this hard work, it does get easier because you're getting stronger and your body's, that's what you're working towards. You know, it's just like real army boot camp. at the end of it all that hard work doesn't seem as hard anymore because your body's prepared for it. And it's acclimated to that workload. And that's where we got to. Like, I remember going into the holidays and we would do our 20 lap motos and I would come off the track and I would be like flexing, like, you know, no one was seeing it, but I was like, Oh, like you could just feel how strong you were and how ready you were for the upcoming season because you knew all the hard work and, and we would be putting in our hardest laps of the moto at the end. And I would come off and I'm like, I'm good. Like, I'm not even, I'm not tired right now. And I just gave it everything I possibly had for those 20 laps. And I'm still good. Like I could give, I could give more right now. And that's, that's the feeling you're looking for. That's the confidence inspiring feeling that you want going into the season. And don't get me wrong. You, you still have a lot of doubt rolling into that Saturday into Anaheim. That's just normal. You know, every, Every uh, doubt demon is going to be wanting to creep in your head, but 
I know most times when I finally would just sit there and say, what am I stressing about? Like I put in so much work. I mean, just months and months of just brutal effort every day. And why am I nervous now? Like I'm, I'm not unprepared. I should be, I should be sitting back relaxed and just let this thing play out. The work's already done. I've already, I've already determined how this day is going to go from all the hard work I put in. So that, you know, I'm getting a little off track, but those are all the things that Timmy really built a foundation inside me. And I've, I've utilized those after my career too. Like I, I, I really try to keep that mindset in a different application for all the things that I do now, right? I, I want to constantly be getting better and pushing the envelope for where I can take some of these things, right? I want this podcast to continue to grow and I want to get, you know, I, I know what the listener numbers now are and I, I want to double that in 2021 and I want to continue to help the Pulp MX network to, to grow, right? And, and that's such a an unbelievably awesome show and platform that Steve has built and, and I'm very proud to be a part of it and I, and I want to help grow that. And I didn't even mention our Pulp MX, Fan, Pulp MX Fantasy League, which I am part owner of. I want to continue to grow that, right? That's been wildly successful for all of us and super popular. And I have such a great time playing it, but I think we're just scratching the surface of what it can be, right? We just need to get more people aware of it because I have a hard time finding anyone who plays Pulp MX Fantasy that doesn't, isn't just overwhelmingly absorbed by it, right? It's, it's almost scary how much of your race day that it, it takes up in a good way. It just make it raises the entertainment value through the roof. And I couldn't be more proud to be a part of what that's turned into. So that's really what it is for me is just taking all of those lessons and all of the, uh, great things that Timmy taught me and, you know, the man that he helped me to become and continue to get better, just continue building off of the, the blocks that he helped first build. You know, 18 years old is very moldable time in a, in a young man's life. So thanks for the question. Very long winded, but, um, no, I enjoy talking about that stuff. And, and for younger people who are listening to stuff like that, I, I think there is wisdom to be shared by everybody. Not, not just me, I'm nothing special, but I, I learn a lot from the people that I work with every day at fly racing, because guess what? They've been around a lot longer than me and they faced a lot more situations than I faced. So if I can learn from them and possibly avoid a pitfall or sidestep some sort of, uh, you know, problem that maybe I'm going to face and make, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, Bob or Terry told me about a situation like this and how it will likely unfold and what they did to counteract that. That's, that's invaluable, right? You know how much they would probably give to have had someone to tell them how to avoid that big problem or issue or, or just, uh, setback that they had in their life that they had to learn how to overcome. Well, guess what? They could teach me and save me so much time. And I don't want to say heartache, but just frustration and difficulty. So if, uh, anyone younger is listening to this, maybe, maybe that will help them in, uh, in their path in this life. Again, I want to thank all the sponsors of this podcast, Pirelli, Go check out uh, Pirelli.com. Check out Pirelli MX on their Instagram and learn all about the great lineup of tires. They won the uh, MXGP and MX2 World Championships yet again. That's what they do. They are the dominant force. You will see some more teams for 2021 in Supercross kind of waiting for their 
their uh, lead as far as when they're going to announce that stuff. They have some really cool programs in the works, but that's not really for me to announce. That's that's them, and they'll do a great job rolling that stuff out. I know they're very disappointed with their you know their partners JGR going away, but the show must go on, and they will uh, they will get involved elsewhere. Blenzall Oils, go to blenzall.com, at Blenzall on their Instagram. Check out all the, the great products they have over there, both two-stroke, four-stroke, and I'm telling you what, Blenzall is on the rise. It's a company you've probably heard of, but maybe aren't very familiar with, but let's change that. Worst Connection, Eric and, and the boys over there, his kids uh, love that company. They've been around forever. Think about, and I remember my first memories of Works Connection would have been the early 90s. You know, Steve Lampson was the poster boy for Works Connection for years, but now, you know, their pro-launch start device is on all the factory teams. You know, factory Honda, they're on JGR Suzuki, Star Yamaha. Think about all the teams that pull all the hole shots. Probably have a Works Connection pro-launch start device on their bike. Fast Foundry, they are a tech solutions company. And I've been learning a little bit more. I've been trying to read, you know, what exactly a company like Fast Foundry does. And a lot of it's automation, but it's, it's really about business efficiency. So go to fastfoundry.com. You can uh, reach out to me. I'll get you in contact with uh, Robert Carrico over there and great company, moto-minded people, but of course their business doesn't have to be, right? It's it's um, very much about a lot of the, the corporate business that probably many of us are in. Like, you know, my business is moto-related, but it's also big business. We have all of these, uh, you know... Um, systems and analytics and all these things our warehouses are working on being becoming more and more automated so it's a nice crossover company there plum creek funding i like to give real world examples of how this stuff works and if that means sharing my personal information that's okay you know i have a house that's a rental house in florida and i bought it at the worst time possible i bought it in 2006 right in the housing bubble sucked and my mortgage rate was pretty crappy because rates were super high back then. And it was just a bad, it, it's, it's okay now, you know, 15 years later, but it was just a, not a great purchase on my part. 2005 is actually when it was. So it wasn't the very top, but it was, it was close enough. And I refinanced in 2017 from 5.85% loan down to 4%. And we did the math and Zach at Plum Creek Funding is the one that helped me work out all the math to see if it was worth it, what I was going to save. It ended up being $64,000 is what it was going to save me, save me over the course of the loan. And I had about 13 years, I think 12 to 13 years left on the loan. And it was $64,000 that that refi was going to save me. So you can take that math and you can work it into your own financial situation but that was at 4% and it's a rental property for me now. So that's about as low as I'm going to get anyway. But if you own your own home, it's your primary residence, you can get under 3%. So if you're sitting at, you know, 4%, 4.5%, which is pretty average for a lot of people, you could save a ton of money. You can cut that interest almost in half every month. So go onto your statement, look at how much interest you're paying and think about cutting that, you know, almost in half. That, that's how much, and then start doing the math over the course of your loan, how much money that's going to save you over that amortization rate. It, it's really scary if you're not doing something like that, how much money you're just leaving on the table. So check out Plum Creek Funding at Plum Creek Funding on Instagram. And his cell phone number is 720-212-4685. Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia and really their Instagram speaks for itself. They can restore all of your older bike parts. 
if you have even even like boots or anything like that, a uh, very delicate way of restoration using vapor blasting. And it's a pretty recent breakthrough. So pretty cool tech they have over there. Go to 612 suspension. If you have any sort of power sports product, right? If you have a UTV, ATV, motorcycle, uh, off-road bike, dual sport bike, street bike, whatever you may have, 612 suspension can get your suspension working as great as possible. They are a race tech affiliate. So you know you're getting the best parts and service on the planet. I've known the Monk family, the, the owner's name is Ronnie Monk. I've known the Monk family for, I don't know, 25 years. So second generation suspension company, and they know exactly what they're doing and all the applications that you may have, they can optimize it for you. Also want to thank Grant Stone Boots and you can go to Grant Stone Boot. That is a singular, no S on the end, grantstoneboot.com. Check out all the awesome boots they have, dress shoes, uh, loafers, wingtips, all kinds of cool stuff over there. I I have several pair myself. I wear them when I have meetings. Uh, If I'm going out, I actually wore them last night to dinner. You can go to at Grandstone Boot on their Instagram. Check out all the pictures and stuff they have there too. I love working with these crossover companies. They are moto people deep down, but their business is not necessarily in the moto space. But guess what? Moto people spend money elsewhere too. So thank you to Wyatt and the team over at Grandstone Boots. Proglow Wash. Let me guess. You have a dirt bike, right? That's probably why you're listening to this podcast. What do you use to wash your bike? Simple Green or something like that, dish soap. Why don't you use something that's specifically engineered for power sports? That's engineered to take off the dirt and all the grime that, you know, lubricants and chain lube and all these things, that stuff doesn't come off as easy with that's a, it's not really built for that, right? Pro grow pro glow wash is specifically built to take that stuff off, to cut through all that grime. You know, it's like, like a car wash, like some of the automotive grime doesn't doesn't always come off. So use ProGlow Wash and use something that's specifically built for what you're using it for. Check those guys out. Thank you for coming on board. Risk Racing, Trevor and the guys over there, very appreciative of them coming on board. Go on, go on to riskracing.com and check out all the products. They have so many products that you would never know about over there. Whether it's the Easy Utility Jug and there's a more convenient name for the Easy Utility Jug, we're just not allowed to use that in the state of California. You can check out the Lock and Load Pro. The great thing about the Lock and Load Pro is it's gonna take all that strain off your forks. My dad used to yell at me about this all the time because I would tie my bike down in my truck and I would sometimes leave it tied down for hours if I was driving or whatever, right? If I had to run errands after I was done riding, uh, you know, I had a van, I tie it down. And he did suspension himself and he would always be like, you're wearing out you're wearing out your, your fork springs and you're putting a lot of strain on your, your suspension on your forks, having it tied down all that time. Well, that's the great thing about the lock and load pro as you use those, you know, your foot pegs to lock it into place. And then you take all that strain off, right? So it's saving the life of your suspension. And then when you choose to go use at six twelve suspension for your, for your suspension needs, it's going to be in that much better shape. And maybe it will save you some time and money that way. And then last but not least is the ripper automated roll off system. So you don't have to pull, you don't have to reach your hand, you know, take your hand off the bars and go try to find the cord and then pull tear off and put your hand back on the bar. All you have to do is put your finger over the uh, sensor that's right on your handlebars and uh, Bluetooth via Bluetooth. It will change the stream across your goggles, right? Give you clear vision across your goggles. So really cool idea there. And uh, it's just basically much more efficient than your standard roll off system. 
know any of these things, you can use the, the code JT money sign at checkout to save yourself some money. I believe it's 15%. And then I, I forgot to mention works connection actually added a promo code there as well. So that one is JT 21 for the 21 season. You can save yourself some money at checkout on worksconnection.com as well. And then last but not least, fly racing, uh, go check out the formula helmet, go check out all the line of 2021 products we have come to a Supercross event in 2021 and see all of the great things that we have on display. Thanks everybody for listening this week. Uh, I know these, these podcasts are difficult without, you know, really racing going on, but as an avid podcast listener myself, I understand that without podcasts, I get very bored very, very quickly. So I want to kind of keep it going here. And if you have suggestions of what, you know, different ideas, things you want to hear, things you don't want to hear, that's okay. Let me know. Thanks again. See ya. Stay.